Welcome to the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast, the only podcast show dedicated to courageous, inspired, innovative entrepreneurs ready to fully tap into their purpose, express with passion, and create businesses that change lives and transform the world. Hello, my name is Rodney Washington, author, artist, entrepreneur, and your host. I'll be sharing cutting-edge business, creativity, and marketing tips, inspiration, insights, and feature interviews with extraordinary creative entrepreneurs. So grab your favorite beverage, set back, and enjoy today's show. Hello, this is Rodney Washington, your host, and I am so glad to be back with you for episode 25 of the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast. Recently, I had a young man reach out to me on Twitter by the name of Houston Gunn. Houston is a 17-year-old, yes, you heard me right, 17-year-old entrepreneur He is an author, a musician, he is a real estate investor, and he is quite an industrious and extremely inspiring young man. Uh, Houston reached out to me and actually asked to be a guest on the show, and after looking at his website and reading his very impressive bio, I immediately jumped on the opportunity to have him on the show for many reasons, one primarily being that I am all about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial success doing things from a sense of purpose and and passion, expressing yourself with passion, which he clearly, clearly does. But also what really struck me very much about Houston is his experience, despite his chronological age, he's very, he has a lot of great mentors and a lot of great people in his life supporting him. And so he's really a great role model and example as we see moving forward a lot of young people really wanting to possibly explore the opportunities available to them as an entrepreneur. So having him as a role model at the age of 17, mind you, he started when he was 13 with his first real estate venture and is in such a short amount of time really just skyrocketed. Uh, his recent book, which I, which our interview is based upon today, is called School for Success, How I Plan to Graduate High School a Millionaire. Uh, This was his first publishing effort, and it was endorsed by none other than celebrity real estate media mogul Donald Trump, which you'll learn about more in the interview. Also, he has been quite busy and releasing his second book called Shooting for Success, Your Launchpad for Skyrocketing to the Top, which was also endorsed by none other than Barbara Corcoran from The Shark Tank. So this young man is really a mover and a shaker, and he's making things happen And I'm just beyond thrilled again to have him as a guest on the show and for you to learn from him. And the one thing that I said at the top of the interview was that despite his, again, chronological age, he does have a lot of wonderful wisdom, a lot of great nuggets to share for anyone. If you ever feel like that you're too young or too old to actually start something, I hope that you'll find what he shares with us to dispel that myth, because you're never too old or too young to start anything new. So I really hope that you enjoy our interview today. It was my pleasure to interview him, and I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of great nuggets out of it. Now, for the show notes for today's episode, I invite you to go to getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash 025 for episode 25. And again, that's getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash 025 for episode 25, to receive all the show notes, the links to all of Houston's books, his website, and other social media outlets, and to download the MP3 of today's episode. 
So I hope that you enjoy what you learn, and I'll see you on the next episode. This is Rodney Washington, your entrepreneur mentor, and I am really thrilled to introduce you to a young man who I literally just met on Twitter, of all places, actually just a few days ago, a mere few days ago, actually. Um, his name is Houston Gunn. And he is the author of a brand new book. Uh, I believe it's a brand new book. Has it been out? How long has your book been out, Houston? About a year or so, you think? Or a little bit longer? Well, my first book launched on Halloween. So about, I'm getting close to a year now. Look who's just, just now thinking about it, it's almost fall. It's basically turning into fall now. So, Wonderful. yeah. Wonderful. So this young man's title of his book is called Schooled for Success, How I Plan to Graduate from High School a millionaire. And I literally just finished reading the last uh, piece of the book right before our interview today. Again, as I said, I did not know this young man at all, even a mere five, six days ago. And I bought his book right away. I loved his story. There's a lot of similarities and parallels between his story and a little bit of mine. And it's just a great interview. And what I really want all of you listening to get the most out of this interview is that so many people um, especially, I would say, older people will maybe start to think, well, I'm too old to start something. Um, I've been at this game too long. It's too, I'm too old to change. I can't do anything different or what have you. And a lot of what I hope you get from this interview with Houston today is that age really is just a number in your head. It doesn't really mean that you cannot do anything really that you set your mind to doing. Uh, this young man is 17 years old, but he started his first business when he was actually 13. And really, he started his first business when he was four, but he didn't really know he was an entrepreneur probably back then. But uh, he definitely uh, is a, has a tremendous insight and some very basic, basic principles that we all know in regards to how we communicate and how we connect with other people in business. But sometimes we forget. So he's going to be a nice reminder for all of you listening just to the golden rules about treat others as you'd like them to treat you and how far that will take you in your life. So aside from his, 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 his age, his chronological age, he has years of wisdom and experience that I believe that all of us can benefit from. So Without further ado, I'm going to read a little bit of Houston's bio here, then we're going to get right into it. So Houston Gunn is now a 17-year-old entrepreneur, author, real estate investor, and musician who is on a mission to inspire other young people to take steps now to build successful futures. His first book, School for Success, How I Plan to Graduate from High School, a Millionaire, shares his story. Born in Bonnie Lake, Washington, Houston Gunn used money he earned from appearing in a TV commercial to make his first real estate deal at the age of 13. By 14, he had started his, writing his first book. He's the CEO, and the CEO he interviewed for a job shadow assignment assigned during his freshman year of high school challenged him to write what became School for Success. Houston not only accepted the challenge but also finished the book in 14 months. Gunn even caught the attention of famed business mogul Donald Trump, who granted an interview via email that is shared inside this book. Uh, teachers also motivated Houston, though not in ways they likely expected. He set the goal of earning $1 million by high school graduation on his first day as a freshman. At the freshman assembly, the leadership teachers' announcement that they could earn $1 million in their lifetimes if they got good grades, went to college, and got good jobs. 
Zelensky had a very interesting reaction to that statement, and I'm going to let him share that story a little bit later on in the interview. So without further ado, I want to say thank you and welcome. Houston, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing a little bit about your story, and hopefully, and I, I don't, hopefully, I know you will inspire many by what you're going to share. So how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing really great, really great. Thank you so much. So as I said, Houston, you know, you really started really your entrepreneurial journey really at the age of four, although you probably didn't realize at the time that you were probably really starting on that journey of starting your own business and um, and going a completely different direction that many of your classmates actually have followed. Would you like to share a little bit about that, uh, about that journey and how you – uh, start earning money at that age, and then how you what you decide to do with it when you turn 13? Absolutely. So how I really – I didn't know it then, but now I know it. I know it now of how I would consider myself to be an entrepreneur since four years old is my parents got me started doing print modeling and TV commercials. So I'd be going to these auditions, and I knew in order to get it, I had to work – the hardest that I could work in order to essentially beat out the competition to get the spot. And it basically, I have to work in hard in order for me to have the chance to make money at such a young age. So I really started to realize and get a brief synopsis, I guess, of how money really starts to work. And it really caught my attention to, at such a young age where I continued and wanted to learn more and more about how money works, but more importantly, how can I eventually make money work for me? And I eventually learned that in seventh grade when I attended my very first real estate seminar, which, believe it or not, was Trump University. And after that seminar, because prior to then, I was always thinking of what I wanted to be when I grow up, and I could never really picture what I wanted to be. I could never picture myself waking up and going to a nine-to-five job. But after that seminar, that's when I knew 100% that A, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and B, that I wanted to integrate real estate into part of my endeavors. Fantastic. Now, you credit a lot of your story in the book to your education, and your, what I mean by your education, while it wasn't necessarily in the classroom in the direct way in which some people listening might think, but your education for entrepreneurship really started in your home. And so could you tell us a little bit about your about your parents and the upbringing that you got and what was sort of the foundation that you got? I know you mentioned going to a conference with your mom, and how old were you when you went to your first, um, I guess, inter- not once the Internet, but business-related conference? I'd say my first business-related conference, I would have been about 12 years old, but my parents and my grandma as well really have inspired me since preschool and kindergarten about entrepreneurship and, more importantly, have educated me about it because they were never afraid to get me involved in stuff. Now, obviously, they'd keep stuff private if it needed to be private, but they would always be taking me to appointments, letting me sit in and just observe them actually doing it. And that's been such a great education. And one of the quotes that I even talk about in my first book of 
what my grandma told me that has had definitely one of the biggest impacts on my direction that I, in my path that I've chosen to take is my grandma Linda told me, when you work for others, you make them rich. When you work for yourself, you make yourself rich. Now, at the time she said that, I somewhat but barely really understood it. But as, as I started to grow up and get older and I started to go to more meetings and eventually attend seminars, I really started to observe of what she was saying was actually true. You know, it's really fascinating. I would think at the age of 12 years old, as many 12-year-olds as that, I would think, God, they'd be bored, they'd be they'd be restless. They would think, oh, my God, you know, why are you bringing me <laughs> You know, why are you bringing me here? But you seem to really be attracted to it. Um, or was that the case, or did you learn to enjoy that environment and being exposed to that kind of information at that age? Well, at that age, I'll say – Going to school would typically bore me just learning the math class, learning English, and just history is probably one of the, my favorite classes because it's stuff that actually happened and it's stuff that actually makes, I guess, the most sense. But attending these seminars about real estate, but seeing numbers that aren't just imaginary um, X plus Y equals Z, but seeing true numbers – of money and seeing how money works and getting to learn more and more of how money works was really intriguing to me. And ever since my first seminar, I just really have been hooked on it. Wonderful, wonderful. Now let me ask you this. Were your some of your fellow classmates, were they curious about what you were learning? Did any of them ask, or was it pretty much just it, – it sounds like a lot in the book it was basically you and your brother that was learning a lot of this, but it was really the conversations between your parents, but not so much your, your, your colleagues or your peers in school. Did anyone else have any interest in what you were doing, or were that, that's just not where their heads were at? Well, to be honest, up until my book launched, I never really told everyone about how I'd go to all these seminars and how I'd be learning all this incredible information and uh, I, yeah, I never really told anyone up until about, believe it or not, no one except my close family even really knew I was writing a book up until about two weeks before the book launched. And so I really never really, I guess, chose to talk about it up until then because I guess I didn't know how my friends and just peers would really respond or react to it. But then once I had this book and it really helped develop a platform for me, I I became really more open to talking about it. Now, when I'm hanging out with my friends and peers, I don't strictly talk about that. I choose to keep that stuff separate. If they ask about it, I'll fill them in on it because I don't want to come off as this young adult or big-headed person. I just want to be a teen and hang out with my friends. So I've really kind of found this balance of – when to talk about it, when not to, and just really this balance between um, being an adult and doing all this business and then just being a teen. So. Yeah, I mean it's really interesting when you when you're sort of walking a very different path than than other people. Well, I'll I'll just say when you're walking a different path that goes against what quote unquote is known as the mainstream, um, it's a very different. Um, you have to kind of choose 
and learn how to finesse when it's a, when it's okay or cool to talk about certain things and when it's not. So that was one of my bigger questions that I had: is how have, how is your peers um, um, related to you, and have has any? Now I know you've moved because when you were writing the book, you were living in Washington State. I believe now you're in Tennessee, if I'm not correct. Yes, um, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, so the um, so you're really not around a lot of your classmates that you were in school with when you were sort of writing this. Have you had if you had anyone that you've kept up with that's been like you know like wow man why didn't you say anything I would have loved to have gone to one of those conferences with you or is everyone still sort of uh, like eh you know I always thought something was weird about that guy but I don't know what it was now I know what he's been doing <laughs> all this time any any comments or feedback that you've gotten. Well, I would say more comments on, on and compared to feedback, but really they've just been saying, "Man, that's really." They think it's cool what I'm doing, and that it's something different, and not just doing the regular going out and getting a job as a teenager to pay for gas in your car. And they think it's cool that I'm doing something different, and I really take pride in that and just setting an example of doing something different, not being afraid of doing something different, and that's not the norm for someone my age. Yes, absolutely. Now, you did something that I really resonated with, um, which is really the catalyst to why this book even exists, and you it was a result of an assignment that you received in high school to do uh, what's called a shadow interview, or yeah, I guess a shadow interview, where you select someone that you admire, and you had a very purposeful reason behind why you chose the person that you chose and the things that you learned and the aha moments that you had when you uh, did this shadow interview. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about that and, and what your experience was like? I know you talk about it in the book, but for those who are unfamiliar with this, I'd love for Houston just to share with us what a shadow interview is and maybe give us some insight on how we can do something similar, no matter what age we are. Absolutely. So the, the job shadow project that I did when I was a freshman, and it's pretty self-explanatory, and the title is basically you find somebody in a field of work that interests you, and you have to ask them if you can spend a day job shadowing in them and basically seeing what life is like at their job in their shoes. And so I actually reached out to a CEO of a private money lending company who's been a mentor to me and my family in the real estate world. And during the interview I conducted, and for those of you who don't have my book yet, you, the interview is shared in my book if you'd like to look into that. And during the interview, he actually turned one of the questions around on me and just really challenged me to write a book as he knew um, everything that I've done so far, and he basically challenged me, and he actually was writing another book, and he challenged me to get my book out before him. So I basically took the challenge and ran with it, and I also did beat him. So <laughs> Good. That was my next question. Did you beat him? <laughs> great, great. And, you know, what, so besides that challenge that he gave you, what, I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from just that overall experience of, from even from the asking him to the, you know, the whole, the whole experience? What was your biggest takeaway from that whole experience? 
Well, I'd say I had two key takeaways from that experience, and one is at the very beginning, the asking, and because really, and that's one of my main mottos now is always ask, because I like to say being told no is better than not knowing at all, and I can really relate to that because how it shaped me is asking him for the interview, which then led to me being challenged to write a book, and then I asked Donald Trump for an interview for my book, and I ended up getting that, which then later led to an endorsement from him for my book. So always ask is definitely one of the key takeaways that I got from that. But then I'd say the second key takeaway is I really got to see what it was like to be a CEO, not necessarily doing an individual task, but learning and seeing how you delegate out all these tasks for it to all come together and create this one big project. Fantastic. Now, I have to ask about this because I know this is something that a lot of people listening to this may really they, – they might not have heard correctly. When I know I've said it in the introduction. You just said it now. So for you all listening to now, they didn't maybe hear clearly what we both said that Houston interviewed Donald Trump. Now, how were you when you asked him to do the interview with you? Fourteen. And I just simply asked and reached out via email, and believe it or not, I sent out over 100 requests to all the famous, successful entrepreneurs as well as athletes because the Summer Olympics were going on during that time. And believe it or not, out of the hundreds of requests that I sent out, Donald Trump was my first and only response. And that's one thing that when you start asking for what you want, you can't really be afraid of being told no because that's one thing that's going to come up a lot is being told no. But how I mentioned earlier, being told no is better than not knowing at all because you gave it a chance, and there was a, basically a 50-50 chance that you could be told yes. Mm-hmm. So true. Now, how in the world did you manage to get a hold of Donald Trump's email to send him any, to send him an email? Well, it it's – it took a lot of due diligence and just research and because I basically just researched just Trump Towers, got a phone number called, and asked about how to reach Donald Trump. And then they sent us this one email, and then we emailed that email. And then another person came back and responded saying, you're going to want to email this person. And we just kind of went back and forth until we ended up actually connecting with Donald Trump's head writer and we've stayed in contact all the way through that um, where he granted me the interview. We stayed connected all through the interview and everything. Then when the book was actually um, almost complete, they actually had approved the cover, I sent a manuscript form up to Trump and asked if he could just read over it to give a little blurb for the back cover of the book. And believe it or not, 15 minutes before we had approved the final cover, we get an email back from Donald Trump with his endorsement for the book, and they said they wanted it on the front cover. And really, right at that moment, I really knew that it just took something that was just a school project. And yes, it had an interview from him, but to get that endorsement just skyrocketed into a whole other level. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I got from reading that whole story is that you really learn the power of yes of asking, and you also learn the power of leverage because people 
really do judge you by the company that you keep. And I know your book will reach many more people. Not that it's not a great book on its own, but your book will be paid more attention to because it has sort of that stamp of approval, if you will, by someone that a larger audience recognizes. So Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a really big takeaway. And and would you say, without going into a lot of detail about it, like how long did it take you to sort of get to that final decision maker that got you to the place where you could ask Donald Trump, was it a matter of weeks or months to get to that place, or did you just kind of luck out and get the right people right away that asked the right questions and, and, and get that interview granted? I would say it would have been about a week from starting to get the information all the way up until the interview. So actually, not really that long. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, it just again, it goes to prove so much that you know tenacity has can go so much further um, than any kind of necessarily. I mean, the talent has to be there. I mean, you have to have an ability and something that people see value in themselves. And clearly, he saw enough value for himself. Not that he did it as a purely selfish move, but that he saw enough value in taking his time to grant you the interview that he felt there was a value in it for him. So, you know, that was a really, again, you got a lesson that no school program, private or public, could ever ever give anyone at any age. Um, Absolutely. I'm very grateful for that. Very much applaud you for that because that was a really, really big move for you. And, again, you know, what I love about your story and why I really gravitated to it so quickly uh, is because, again, as I mentioned at the top of the interview, is that there are people who are far older than you are that literally would not even begin to dream or they'll think, you know, that, oh, well, why in the world would someone like a Donald Trump talk to me? And I even, wouldn't even know the first place to go to, to find out how um, to get in contact with someone like him. And maybe in, in, in the youth, uh, in your youth, or, you know, if someone might want to construe it as naivete or whatever the case may be, you just went, you know what, the worst he can tell me is no. Absolutely. You know, so that was a real big takeaway point, you know, that someone, you know, I, I, I thought about this as I was reading the book, as I read each certain highlights of your experience, the title of your book is so apropos, it's like, you know, he, I just got schooled again. <laughs> I just got schooled again, so it was really uh, uh, it was a really eye-opening experience for me and a nice reminder. Um, as I said to you before we started the recording tonight, I did something similar, no one near as big as a Donald Trump, but when I was around 15, 16 years old, and I at that time thought I wanted a career um, in, the, in the fashion world, actually, in the design world, and I remember going to New York when I was like 17 years old, I think it was. I set up all these interviews with designers. I just wanted to go and do something similar. And I just sent out a letter. This was way before email. You know, I'm way older than you. I'm 35 years older than you, actually. And, um, you know, before email, you had to write hand letters and send them to people. And I remember just getting on the plane with nothing confirmed and just showed up at places. And it was just really something about that. I don't know what they're going to say to me, but I want to know about this from someone who's living this every day and, and you know, just literally taking chances, getting on planes and getting on buses when I didn't have a car to drive to an interview um, to go and just sit down and shadow someone. And I don't even know if people even encourage that anymore or if it is encouraged in school or not. If not, it should be. 
because it's really a great way for someone young who's trying to figure out what they're placing in the world is to sit down with someone who will give you their time and will tell you something. And I think because you're younger, they're more apt to want to do it, I, I think. Absolutely. You know, so at whatever age you're listening to, I think if you just really approach people with genuine interest, not what's in it for you. And I think people can smell when you're fishing for something for yourself like you know you weren't asking for a job although you know i don't you don't you don't need a job <laughs> but uh but um but you know but you just really wanted to just to you know you weren't doing the can i come and pick your brain kind of thing you respected him you came across with respect and it was given to you in return so that's the big takeaway i got from your story well thank you for that Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've walked this path myself, so I know. And and it's something that I think a lot of us, you get older, you start to lose a lot of that. You start second-guessing yourself and thinking, you know, well, you know, no one no one really knows me. Why would they, you know, you're telling yourself no, and you're stopping the dream before it ever gets a chance to get off the ground. And uh, I think a lot of what I read in your stories, your grandmother really really encouraged you to go for what you want. I mean, your parents did too, but your grandmother seemed to have a lot of influence on you um, in that respect. And um, and uh, I just think she did a you know, great job in giving you that sort of fearless, you know, go ahead and do it. It's going to be okay, and, and, you'll, and you'll find out, you know. So I think that's really great. Thank you. You're welcome. So, you know, so much of what you talked about, you know, again, your parents took you, your mom in particular took you to a lot of conferences and, and so forth, and you learned a lot of really good foundational skills that I think will help anyone in life, no matter who they are. And what I took away from it was you learn, as you've already talked about, you ask for what you want. You also uh, talk about the fact that you, you really presented yourself well, so you dressed for the position you wanted in life. Uh, by showing up, you know, wearing you know proper attire, and and you learned how to be a really good communicator. But the one thing that you really brought home for me was you learned how to be a good listener and a good observer. And I think that that has a lot to do with why you have achieved what you've achieved in life. Because so many people want to be center stage. You come from a, a background where you have been center stage. I mean, you're a performer as well. Um, how you know how effective? I mean, how important are these skills of being a good you know being a good listener and being a good observer uh, for young people listening to this to um, to take with them as they go on in their career? Well, I would say being a good listener and observer has to I would say really has to come first before being the best and a good speaker because when you're young. You still have a lot of time ahead of you, and you still have the time to potentially make mistakes. But if you're listening to somebody who's already been there, done that, they've made the mistakes, they've maybe had some of the failures, it's really key to listen to them as they talk to you because maybe you can learn so you don't make the same mistake they did. And that's just really the biggest thing is to learn from the people that have already done it and have done it successfully so it's, I'd say it's really key to listen first and build that knowledge so then later on you can go out and start speaking it yourself and start pitching it and promoting it and promote what you want to promote. Mm-hmm. So true. I think that the most effective communicators 
are great listeners and great observers. And um, I have a skill I got from my mother earlier. My mom was a, was a school teacher as well. And she was, one thing she drilled into us is that when you walk into a situation that's very new or, or foreign to you, is listen more than you speak. And not only will you learn what people are really all about, but you'll learn how to navigate situations a lot better if you're really kind of reading the situation before you just try to jump in with your two cents about everything. And people, I think, respect you more, too, when they know that you're really paying attention to them and um, and listening. So really great skill. Now, you shared something that uh, – you, well, you have a – you didn't share it. You shared many things, but you had a really, really strong passion, which I, too, agree with tremendously about the educational system um, as it stands today and what your peers and those still in high school or coming up are actually getting in the school system. And as I said before, I'm, you know, 35 years older than you, so it hasn't changed. It was the same thing that you were learning now that I learned 35 years ago. Um, you know, do you, you know, you really have strong opinions about that. You feel that the kids are just not given skills that are going to help them um, out into the world nowadays as it is. And um, has any of your book or the things you've talked about now that you sort of got this platform, has it, as it's starting to change any ideas about the school system or people looking at this and going, you know, maybe we're doing this wrong and we need to revamp this, or is this kind of same old, same old as usual? Do you see any, any change in it? Well, I wouldn't say as far as the actual school system, I haven't really seen a big change since my book's launched, but I've seen the change of how people think of those who have read my book whether it be a parent or it be a parent who bought the book for their their kid and they read it and um, just giving back feedback and testimonials and Amazon reviews and just seeing how much it, I guess, kind of brings awareness of really what is actually being taught and everything and just of how much my book has really, I guess, changed the opinion and um, just – opened up a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, um, you know, you had a, a point in the book uh, where you talked about um, an announcement that one of the, um, I guess it was one of the, the uh, one of the instructors shared with the class about their earning potential over a 40-year period, and your reaction to it, would you, could you share a little bit of that story and, and, uh, a little bit of what that experience was like for you and what your reaction was to the announcement that was made. Um, I thought that was a really powerful portion of the book. Yeah, absolutely. And this whole story that I'm about to share is actually what led me to set the goal of graduating from high school a millionaire. And it was actually on the very first day of high school as a freshman, there was a welcome to high school assembly with all the freshmen in the gymnasium and believe it or not, the leadership teacher went on to announce, if you get good grades, go on to college, get a degree and get a job, on average, you will earn $1 million in your lifetime. And everyone was cheering, students, staff, teachers, they were going nuts. And I really took a step back and actually questioned that because attending all these seminars, I would 
hear success stories or I'd see the numbers and I'd see where you have the potential to make a million dollars over, let's say, a five to ten year period and to be told that you'll earn a million dollars in your lifetime, I started to question that. And then I actually did the math that if you were to work for 50 years of your life only to make $1 million, that would only be $20,000 a year, not including any taxes or expenses. So after that day of school, I guess I was really shocked, and that's what really drove me to set the goal to graduate from high school a millionaire. And I would encourage and challenge everyone to set a goal to be worth way more than a million dollars in a lifetime because everyone should be. You know what? You gave me so many aha moments when I was when I read that part. Because one thing, you know, there's well, there's many thoughts I have about that. The first thing is that a lot of people really don't fully grasp what a million dollars means, especially in this day and age. What that actually comes down to in actual dollars and cents. And as you said, a very important piece, one very important piece, is that the million dollars is pre-tax. So you're not even taking that full million dollars home. <laughs> And you are earning this over a 40 to 50 year time span, which means that that million will probably end up spending close to, in actual dollars and cents, probably close to $100,000 over that whole time span because as things keep going up, more and more of that money is going to be going out for living expenses and so on and so forth. So the gist of it is that a million dollars really isn't a lot of money, although it sounds like that to someone who's not. Yeah, when you hear it, you sound like you've struck gold. Exactly, and that's how you said everyone, including the teachers, responded to that statement. It sounded like they'd hit lotto, was how you put it in the book. And, you know, it really goes on to say, to me, the thought that I had about it is that many of us un unconsciously set what I call money thresholds, about how much we will allow ourselves to earn before we begin to feel uncomfortable. And for this person hearing a million dollars, they hear the million, but they're not really hearing that second number of 40 or over a 40 or 50-year time span. And no one's doing the math except for you. And then they're looking at it once they do, and then reality comes into view and go, wow, that's actually only twenty twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 a year. That's not a lot of money. Oh, yeah. You know, but no one really does that. And I just wondered... How many kids in that room and how many people in that room really realized that for them in that moment, their money threshold was set and that they probably weren't going to ever earn more than twenty-five dollars or $30,000 a year because that million dollars, they're blinded by the illusion of the million, not realizing the reality of what that million is going to actually look like in dollars and cents in their pocket. And um, Absolutely. You know... Uh, you have any other thoughts about that? Because that was just a really powerful, I think it was the, the, the most powerful section of the book. And um, and did you have any conversations with anyone about that? You know, any of your, anyone in school about that? Or was it you just kind of realized it and kept it to yourself? What was your, what was your, what was the next step beyond that? At that point in time, I really just, I guess I was shocked and I didn't really know how to really talk about it, so I just kind of kept it to myself until my book launched. Yeah. So, yeah, and I guess the only other really 
thing I have to say about the whole school thing is that what I've observed through now I'm going into my senior year, so for three years so far in high school, is that the whole message of the schools and the school system is to go to college and get a job, which mm-hmm. is great for some people. If you want to be a doctor and if you want to be something that requires college, go to college, and if it's something you're passionate about. But there's not everyone might want to go to college, and the whole option of being an entrepreneur is never really promoted or pushed in the school system, especially compared to how much college is definitely pushed and promoted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and to take that a step further, it's because that's, that's a, a system, however broken it may be, that everyone is socially acceptable and everyone understands. And the people who start businesses, that's something that someone else does. But everyone's looking at this something that someone else, no one ever puts a face or a, or, or a picture or a name to the someone else. And so I think, you know, you were very fortunate in the respect that you had those examples in your household. Uh, you saw with your, with your with your parents and your grandmother and so on and so forth. So my question for you, I guess, is what opportunities or hope or examples could someone whose parents are working at a twenty five thousand or forty thousand dollar a year job and they're not getting it in school uh, in the school system? What hope do they have to see this as a really viable option to start their own business? What are your thoughts about that? Well, I would say find a mentor just in a local community. Just a, It doesn't have to be some big, huge corporation. Just find even just a small business on something that you're passionate about. Like if you like cooking, maybe go to a little local restaurant and see if you can just kind of learn the trade and just find a mentor and just find somebody who's willing to teach you what they know and what they've done and it really goes back to listening and how you want to listen and learn from the people who've been there done that they've made the mistakes and you want to learn from them so you don't make the same mistakes as them so just really finding a mentor i'd say is just a big key yeah, just get curious. I think I, you know, I had a really, I still do have a big love for libraries. I did when I was a kid. So I always, if I wanted to learn how to do something, I always went and got a book on it. And then the book, you know, led me to maybe reaching out to someone and or writing a letter or so on and so forth. So I think really that's, you know, if it's not in your house and it's not encouraged, you know, it is out there. You've just got to be willing to do as you've said. You know, follow your example. Be willing to ask someone. You know, and I'm sure you'll find if 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 you ask, it's there. Someone will, someone will mentor you or will tell you. You know, what absolutely. The next step is. Now, you really built a lot of your foundational businesses around the private lender game, and um, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go into much detail about because I don't really completely understand. Although I do know more than I did before I read your book. <laughs> um, <laughs> But for someone who um, uh, is maybe has some awareness about this, 
um, they might want to explore something like that for themselves. I know you had had some savings from your from your modeling and acting work that you had done that you were able to get into that into this this business and of course your parents mentorship um, so my question is how much money would someone need to have to get into the private lender game and is it still viable or or what what would be the steps they need to take to get into that if they wanted to go the real estate route and, and lending money well on the real estate side for lending I couldn't really give you an exact number because I've done loans across the whole country, and you can't really pinpoint an exact number because it's so different compared to each different market where you go to because there could be a market where in order to get into the lending, you need the $150,000 loan amounts. But if you go to other markets, they might be – in the low 10,000, 15,000 range. So there isn't really an exact number to pinpoint. It's just know your market and just start networking with different realtors and real estate investors in that market. And of course, that was uh, you know you chose to go that route for a few minutes. You did have your money. You said initially your savings was in a CD, but again, you had your parents' influence to uh, that that did influence your decision. And I believe to the uh, the shadow interview that you did, this gentleman, um, I believe uh, I can't remember his last name. His first name was Lee. Um, I remembered he, uh, I think, did this. This was one of his main businesses, too. So you did have that influence um, of having people that you kind of had an idea about what they were doing. Um, You know, maybe for someone who wants to do something similar, again, you know, would you recommend any conferences for them to consider going to or any books or someone that they could read to kind of learn about this a little bit more, even you for that example? What what do you recommend if someone's interested in learning more about this? Well, if you want to learn more about it, seminar-wise, you'd just really have to start doing research and finding the best real estate seminars that talk about what you want to learn about. But if you want to get maybe just a quick overrun from a teenage perspective of how private money lending works, I encourage you all to check out my first book, Schooled for Success, and you can get it on Amazon or on my website, HoustonGun.com. Absolutely. And I'm going to, for everyone listening, I'm going to put uh, Houston's information in, in the show notes uh, available on the um, on the show notes page, uh, which I will tell you about uh, in the um, when I put everything together. So you'll have the exact URL for that. So you have links to Houston's uh, book on Amazon as well as his website, and you can learn more about him and and how to just more about the whole story if you really want to. Um, to dive into this a little deeper. So um, we're getting towards the end, but I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions around a project that you said you were working on that you gave a deadline of August 2014, which I realize is now, and that's the Grandma Linda sitcom. So how's that going? (laughs) It's actually going really good, and... It's just amazing to observe how um, just one connection maybe starts one opportunity, but how it can lead into another opportunity. And going into the Grandma Linda sitcom, 
actually that project got put on hold from the people that we met to start a new project because when we were meeting different um, production companies out in L.A., and we just started to get connected, and they liked my story. And with my books and everything right now, they decided to – and I actually signed a deal with people that work with Sony to do a web series that actually goes with my second book now, Shooting for Success, and just been developing a whole other project that really have just started to spin off from going to meet people for one particular project – but then just how, um, especially when you start working with other people, how ideas just bounce back and forth and just something that you might have not even thought about, and then it just comes out of the woodworks, and you, you have this whole new project. So everything's been going great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I love I, I loved you sharing that whole story because we start out with one idea and thinking that's what it's going to be, and then it does kind of take on a life of its own, and and you sort of become the shepherd of the idea and sort of navigating through it. But um, I did have to ask that because I was reading it, and I went, oh, well, that's this month. So I have to ask him, uh, and I believe in the book you asked to ask, how was that, <laughs> that going? So I wanted to make sure I asked that question about uh, – and you can learn more about Grandma Linda in the book because she's – Sounds like quite a character, so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and how about your other four goals? I know you had a goal to get a, a like a blue Corvette, I believe, and some other things. How are those other four goals going? Yes, well, some of my other goals, like the blue Corvette, and this really, I talk about key when I talk about setting and dating goals, is when you set the date, you want to stick to that date to work the goal. But you always want to rearrange to work out best for you. And I actually, after having talks with my parents and even my grandma, who actually is one of the reasons that I, I guess, fell in love with the Corvettes as I got to learn to drive on her red one. Um, and I decided because I just had a short summer break, and now actually I'm about to head off. And a reason I started doing online school for this semester because I'm doing this huge media push, a five-week media push or five-month media push for my second book and then along with my web series on my YouTube channel, Houston Gun. And so I decided it would be best, instead of having a car just sitting in a garage, to wait for the five months and get the next year's model. So after talking about that, I restructure goals to work best with me of the plans that are right here and now. But it started with you deciding what you wanted, which I think is sometimes for the people it's the hardest to do is just deciding what they want. And then Absolutely. once they do that, you know, setting setting really firm dates or setting dates for yourself. Because at least I think when you set the date, it sets the intention. And, you know, you leave, open, you leave it open to a rearrange and to adapt as to what's going on in your current situation, which you've said you've done. But you haven't lost sight of the goal, and the car is waiting for you. It's just not right now. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. I love that. And the other question I wanted to ask you is, you know, what I when I went through the book, because at first I thought you, when I first started reading the book, I thought that you were just focused on the real estate uh, in the private lending arena. And then I, was, I read more about you, and, you know, you have a really strong passion for music. You've discovered this new skill for writing, but music is, uh, I think, probably based on what I'm reading, is probably one of your first loves or your first passions. Um, 
for many people reading this who are creatives, uh, artists in particular, you know, what suggestions do you have for them? Because I know artists have a really hard time getting that money piece in their head straight. You know, some people believe that if I make money from my art, I'm selling out or or artists are supposed to be suffering, suffer for their art or be poor or whatever. And, you know, you've got a lot of different experiences that you've brought in, a lot of different perspective changes that you've brought into your experience. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts for, for a musician or a painter or a photographer or anyone listening to this who's trying to get clear about the money and how it affects their ability to put their, put their passion out to the world? Well, I would say just in general to get the best help and I would say at least in the music side of everything is just network because you never know who you'll meet. And there's that saying, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. And ever since moving down to Nashville, I really dove into music strongly and started networking. And I've just met so many people who are helping me with my music, but they're also helping me with my books and everything else. So you just never know who you might meet and what they might be able to help you with. So just really get out there and network because they might be there for one thing, but they can maybe later on in the future help you with another. And um, are, are are you monetizing your music in career yet, or are you still in the development stage of it? Or how is where was that falling into the scheme of all the things you're working on right now? My music currently is in the development and creation stage, but I plan on pretty soon releasing the first EP. Wonderful, wonderful. And when what, when might we expect to to hear of that? I'd have to say at least month-wise, I'd have to say after the whole media tour with my book, so I'd say six months. Wonderful, wonderful. Good. Well, we'll be looking for that. And you said you have a second book that's out right now, and that's what the media tour is around. And what's the title of that book, and how can we find it? My second book is called Shooting for Success, Your Launchpad for Skyrocketing to the Top. And believe it or not, that book got endorsed by ABC Shark Tank, Barbara Cocheron, and that is available on my website as well as on Amazon. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with a web series that I'm doing on YouTube. So make sure you check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Houston Gun. Great. We'll make sure I put all of that in the show notes. And I love Shark Tank, and I and I really like Barbara Cochran, so I'm glad that you brought that up. You're really going for it. I'm I'm really, you know, for, <laughs> it was so fascinating. I have to share this little piece real quick because I know we're at the tail end of our interview. But um, like I said, I literally started delving deeper into Twitter myself. I'm more of a Facebook person, but Twitter is a platform that I – I have some presence on, but I haven't really, like, given it a lot of, you know, regular attention. And in the last week or so, I decided I'm really going to I'm really gonna deep dive into doing, uh, getting more involved on Twitter. And my primary reason, I will tell you this right now, why I chose to start paying more attention to Twitter is because I said I want to start interviewing more people for the podcast. I want to start making, you know, connections that way, and I hear Twitter is a better platform for that. So this was just an idea that I had in my head. It was sort of my intention. And honestly, when you reached out to me, I think that was my second day 
of really paying attention to Twitter. And but I had that in my head as my intention. And so when you reached out to me and you, you know, had asked about being a, being a guest on the podcast, I went, wow, without me actually having <laughs> written any emails or asked anyone to interview me, you reached out to me. So I have to really share that with you and to share with the audience is a power of intention. You know, sometimes if you're really in alignment with what, you know, universe or God or however you want to phrase it wants to use it, you really do get the answers that you need uh, without you really having not doing too much other than just taking a step on your behalf. And, Absolutely. You know, and the path opens up for you. So thank you, first of all, for reaching out to me. <laughs> and uh, I just chuckled because I thought, I have only been on this thing for two days, and I've already got an interview lined up. And then I looked at your your website, and I looked at your book, and I went, Donald Trump, and I went, oh, my God, who is this guy? <laughs> so <laughs> I started diving in deeper, and I just sort of sat back and chuckled at it and went, this is amazing. So uh, thank you for following your intuition and reaching out to me and me following mine to to start paying more attention to Twitter. And um, All right, Well, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. So so for everyone, um, you know, again, I can't recommend, uh, you know, checking out this young man's material enough. I mean, it's really inspirational. It just shows the power of, of really just following your instincts, following your gut, not being afraid to walk your own path, not following the herd. I had a friend of mine years ago say to me, if you want to make sure that you get nowhere in life, just follow the crowd. So... <laughs> Uh, this young man definitely goes against the crowd and is making a tremendous example for all of us, no matter what our age, uh, to really trust our instincts and go for it in life because you have nothing to lose but maybe someone telling, saying yes to you. And I think that's the big message that uh, I feel his book, Houston is sharing, is definitely the message I want uh, to convey in the podcast. You know, my tagline for the podcast is express yourself with passion and live on purpose every day. Um, would you say, Houston, that you are expressing yourself with passion living on purpose every day? Absolutely, without a doubt. Wonderful. I agree. I agree. So, again, everything that you'll need to know about this young man will be available on the show notes page, which I will tell you about in a moment, and how you can learn more about the website, the YouTube series, both of the books, I recommend you check out all of them. Um, again, I think it's very inspirational, and I'm just honored and grateful that you you did reach out to me. And I'm I just I can't wait to put this out in the world. So, uh, Houston, do you have any final thoughts or closing um, closing tips or anything you want to share with the listeners before we wrap up? I would just have to wrap up on always ask, and by always asking, I'd like to ask everyone to go buy my book. I think that's a good way to close. Go buy the book. So, again, thank you, Houston. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on another episode. Everyone have a great evening or day or whatever time you're listening to this episode. See you next time. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please visit our website at getpaidforyourcreativity.com for more information about the content shared on today's broadcast, including additional resources and show notes. And finally, express yourself with passion and live on purpose every single day. This is Rodney Washington, your host, signing off.